السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ربش رحلی صدری ویسرلی امری وحل العقدانی یفقہ قولی اللہ مہدی قلبی وسدید لسانی وسر الصیم تقلبی امین رب العالمین So lesson number 30, Surah Al-Baqarah, verses 222 to 228. And inshallah, today we will also do the next lesson. So right now, we will do the translation of both the lessons. Okay? And the reason why we're doing them together is because in our previous class, we read the ayah related to marriage. Right? And I mentioned to you over there that the verses that we will be studying from now on until almost the end of the Jews will be all related to marriage. marriage, intimacy, divorce, child custody, etc. Inshallah, we will look at all of these issues, many of these issues today. Alright? So we will begin with the translation. And I want to remind you that I want you to, inshallah, be in this class with your best mature self. Okay? I don't know how else to say it, but be the maturest that you can be. You know, your adult self, bring that about. Okay? Bring that out, inshallah. Because this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in the Qur'an in detail. Alright? And these verses were revealed because the people asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about these issues. At the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, we learned that this is a book in which there is no doubt and it is a guidance for who? For who? Lil-Muttaqeen, for the people of Taqwa. Now what happens is that when a person believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he becomes very conscious, she becomes very careful. And when a person becomes careful, they're not just careful in terms of what they're eating. They also become careful in terms of how they're interacting with the people in their lives. They become careful with the most private matters in their life also. The most private matters. And this is why the people asked the Prophet ﷺ about these issues. And Allah revealed ayat in this surah for our guidance. So these verses, the concepts that we will study today inshallah, are not to embarrass us. They are to guide us. Alright? They are to help us. To make every part of our life responsible, meaningful, and a source of reward. We are not left to figure things out on our own. We are not left to fend for ourselves. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed guidance for every issue. You know, Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu, somebody once you know, tried to embarrass him. That we heard that your Prophet even teaches you such and such and such. Like, you know, in your religion you have these awkward discussions. And he was not embarrassed at all. He said, well, exactly. He even teaches us how to use the bathroom. How we should sit, which hand we should use, how many times we should wipe ourselves, etc., etc. He wasn't shy about it at all. The women used to come to the Prophet ﷺ and ask him questions. Such questions that even sometimes he would feel awkward about it. Or Aisha radiallahu anha would be sitting there and she would be shocked that how could this woman even ask such a question. But then later on, she praised the women. That shyness does not prevent them from learning about religion. Shyness is important. 
modesty is a part of our faith. We have to be appropriate. We have to be careful. However, appropriateness does not mean that we don't learn. And then we search things on Google, trying to figure out how things are supposed to work, what exactly happens. No, Allah has taught us already about what is halal and what is haram, even in the most private matters of our lives. So with this, inshallah, we will begin with the translation. All right? Inshallah, observe haya, observe modesty. All right? But don't let that modesty prevent you from learning. Alright? Observe modesty in the sense that the way that you're sitting, the way that you are looking at one another, the way that you respond, react on hearing something. But don't let that modesty prevent you from learning. Because this is something that's very relevant to you. It's not just relevant to some people. It's relevant to every human being. So this is essential information. Okay? So let's begin. Page number 30. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ويسألونك عن المحيض قل هو أذى فاعتزلوا النساء في المحيض ولا تقربوهن حتى يطهرن فإذا تطهرن فأتوهن من حيث أمركم الله إن الله يحب التوابين ويحب المتطهرين نساؤكم حرث لكم فأتوا حرثكم أن شئتم وقدموا لأنفسكم واتقوا الله واعلموا أنكم ملاقوه وبشر المؤمنين ولا تجعلوا الله عرضة لأيمانكم أن تبروا وتتقوا وتصلحوا بين الناس والله سميع عليم لا يؤاخذكم الله باللغو في أيمانكم ولكن يؤاخذكم بما كسبت قلوبكم والله غفور حليم It's and ever forbearing. Okay? Just make that correction. للذين يؤلون abstinence من نسائهم تربص أربعة أشهر فإن فاءوا فإن الله غفور رحيم وإن عزموا الطلاق فإن 
اللہ سمیع علیم ولمطلقات یتربسن بنفسن ثلاثت قرو ان ولا يحل لهن ان يكتمن ما خلق الله في ارحامهن ان كن يؤمن بالله واليوم الاخر وبعولتهن احق بردهن في ذلك ان ارادوا اصلاحا ولهن مثل الذي عليهن بالمعروف وللرجال عليهن درجه والله عزيز حكيم Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْمَحِيضِ قُلْ هُوَ أَلًا فَاعْتَزِلُ النِّسَاءَ فِي الْمَحِيضِ وَلَا تَقْرَبُوهُنَّ حَتَّى يَطْهُرْنَ فَإِذَا تَطَهَّرْنَ فَأْتُوهُنَّ مِنْ حَيْثُ أَمَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ التَّوَّابِينَ وَيُحِبُّ الْمُتَطَهِّرِينَ نِسَاءُكُمْ حَرْثٌ لَكُمْ فَأْتُوا حَرْثَكُمْ أَنَّا شِئْتُمْ وَقَدِّمُوا لِأَنفُسِكُمْ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّكُمْ مُلَاقُوهُ وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَلَا تَجْعَلُوا اللَّهَ عُرْضَةً لِأَيْمَانِكُمْ أَن تَبَرُّوا وَتَتَّقُوا وَتُصْلِحُوا بَيْنَ النَّاسِ وَاللَّهُ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ لا يؤاخذكم الله باللغو في أيمانكم ولكن يؤاخذكم بما كسبت قلوبكم والله غفور حليم للذين يؤلون من نسائهم تربص أربعة أشهر فَإِن فَاءُوا فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ وَإِنْ عَزَمُوا الطَّلَاقَ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ وَالْمُطَلَّقَاتُ يَتَرَبَّصْنَ بِأَنفُسِهِنَّ ثَلَاثَةَ قُرُوءٍ ولا يحل لهن أن يكتمن ما خلق الله في أرحامهن إن كن يؤمن بالله واليوم الآخر وبعولتهن 
they asked the Prophet ﷺ about menstruation, which is a very feminine or female issue. It's not a male issue. It's a women's issue. But the men were asking the Prophet ﷺ about it. It's okay to ask. It's okay to find out about these issues. It's okay to be curious about these issues. So ask. The Sahaba also asked the Prophet ﷺ. We don't talk about these issues. We don't discuss these issues. We don't teach about these issues. And so people are left with many questions and many confusions. And then, because they're too embarrassed to ask another person, a teacher, a parent, an older sibling, typically, what is it that people turn to for information, for answers? They will turn to Google. They will turn to Sister Siri. Hmm? But this is not the way of learning the deen. Remember that there are two parts to every problem. Okay? One is the physical aspect of it, the biological aspect of it. Alright? And then there is also the religious aspect of it. Google can tell you about the physical aspect, how things work, but it will not tell you about the religious aspect. Meaning, is this allowed in your religion? What are the things that you have to be careful about when you are dealing with this issue? So the people asked the Prophet wasallam about al-mahid. They asked the Prophet wasallam about mahid. Now, what exactly did they ask him? Was this a question about biology, as in how exactly does menstruation work? Why do women have it? No. This was a religious issue, as in when a woman is menstruating, then what are the guidelines? Meaning, between a husband and the wife, what are the limits? Are there any limits? Are there any restrictions? And if so, what exactly are they? So this question was not a biological one. This question was about religious rulings during this time. So, وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْمَحِيلِ Now, before we continue, the question is, what exactly is al-mahil? Mahil is from the root letter, is hayadad. And hada means to flow. And basically, mahil refers to the time of menstrual period. Meaning when a woman is having her monthly period, this is known as al-mahid. And mahid can also refer to the linguistically, the word mahid can also apply to the place or the time of mahid, meaning the place where the mahid comes from. So they asked 
about the restrictions. So, قُلْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed that قُلْ You say, O Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa You teach the people that huwa adha. Mahid is adha. Menstruation is adha. Now what exactly is adha? Adha, as you can see the translation, a difficult condition or an impurity. Basically, the word adha is used for hurt. But it's not like a severely painful condition. Adha is like if you're having a headache. I mean, it's not so bad that you need Tylenol 3. No, it's manageable, but it's there, it hurts, it's annoying. Right? So adha, painful condition. So it's to experience some pain or some difficulty to a small degree. Alright? This is adha. Secondly, the word adha is also used for something that's unclean, something that's dirty, filthy. So, قُلْ هُوَ أَذَا Mahid is a painful condition for a woman. I mean, mahid, this is filth, it's not clean. It doesn't mean that a woman becomes unclean and untouchable during this state. No, it just means that the hayd, the menstrual blood, and the place where it comes, that is filthy and unclean. That's it. So قُلْ هُوَ أَذَا Now, the people asked specifically about marital relationships during this time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَعْتَزِلُ النِّسَاءَ فِي الْمَحِيضِ فَعْتَزِلُ So keep away النِّسَاءَ from the women فِي الْمَحِيضِ during menstruation. What does it mean by فَعْتَزِلُ? فَعْتَزِلُ is from the root letters عَيْن زَاي لَام And عَزَلَ or اِعْتَزَلَ is to stay away from something. So فَعْتَزِلُ النِّسَاءَ this is referring to stay away from marital relations. Okay? Stay away from sexual intercourse during the mahid. وَلَا تَقْرَبُوهُنَّ And do not come near them. تَقْرَبُوا is from قَاف رَبَى قَرِيب is to be near. So do not come near them حَتَّى يَطْهُرْنَ Until they become clean. Now, this is the Qur'an. This is a sacred text. And this is the miracle of the Qur'an. That things are mentioned clearly, yet in a subtle way. The language over here is not explicit. But the one who wants to understand, will understand. So, لَا تَقْرَبُوهُنَّ حَتَّى يَطْهُرْنَ What does it mean? Basically what this means is, that for the entire duration of a menstrual period, a husband and wife are not to have sexual intercourse. حَتَّى يَطْهُرْنَ Until they become clean. يَطْهُرْنَ is from the root letters طَهَرَ and طُهُر is to become clean. Meaning until the period ends. فَإِذَا تَطَهَرْنَ Then when they have cleansed themselves. تَطَهَرْنَ is also from طُهُر طَهَرَ And تَطَهَرَ is to clean oneself. Okay? And this is referring to the bath that a woman is to take once her period comes to an end. So, فَإِذَا تَطَهَّرْنَ When they have become clean, meaning when she has taken her bath and she resumes her prayers, then فَأْتُوهُنَّ مِنْ حَيْثُ أَمَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ Then come to them only from the place that Allah has ordered you. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ التَّوَّابِينَ Indeed, Allah loves those people who repent over and over again. 
وَيُحِبُّ الْمُتَطَهِرِينَ And he loves those people who clean themselves over and over again. You see this word tawab? Tawab is one who does tawbah again and again. And you see here the word mutatahir, one who cleans himself, one who purifies himself, washes himself up, makes wudu, takes a shower, cleans himself physically. Tawbah is to purify yourself from spiritual filth. Right? Where you leave sins and you ask Allah to clean you of your sins. Tahara is to clean yourself in the physical sense. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves people who are spiritually and physically clean. And notice over here, this is a process. It's always a process. Because for example, if you take a shower once, is it going to last you your entire life? No. You're going to have to shower again. So, Doing tawbah once also is not enough. If you say astaghfirullah wa atubu ilayh ten times, you know, one week, is that sufficient? Is that enough for you? No. You have to do tawbah again and again in your life. Just as you have to physically clean yourself again and again, you have to do tawbah again and again in your life also. Such are the people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes. Now in this verse, okay, in this verse, there are two things that are being discussed. Okay? Two things that are being discussed. Firstly, we learn a few rules regarding hayd, regarding menstruation. And secondly, we learn also some rules regarding sexual intercourse. So first things first, what are some rules of hayd, some rules of menstruation? This is not directly mentioned in the verse, but because it's a very relevant issue, this is something that you all should be aware of, you all should be familiar with. And for the brothers sitting in this class, do not feel awkward about it. Some of the best scholars of fiqh were masters of this science. Literally, it's a science. Because when you study books of fiqh, when you study books of hadith, for example, Sahih al-Bukhari, which is the best book of hadith, when you open it up, you study the chapter of revelation, knowledge, all right? And then there is a chapter of wudu, there is a chapter of purification, and then there is an entire chapter dedicated to al-hayd. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also revealed verses regarding this. So we should not feel embarrassed learning about these issues. It's a human issue. You know, for example, if a person wants to become a doctor or study even a little bit of medicine or become a nurse even, which men can be, by the way, so they have to learn about these issues. It's a human issue, right? So don't distance yourself from this saying, oh, what do I have to do with this? No, inshallah, one day you'll be a father, one day you'll be a husband, one day, you know, you may have to help somebody figure something out, so you should be aware of this. The Sahaba asked the Prophet ﷺ about this. So when it comes to hayd, a few things I want you to be clear about. Islamically, Islamically, you're supposed to know and be clear about when the hayd, when the period begins and when it ends. You have to be clear about this. Why? Because during the menstrual period, is a woman supposed to pray? No. Is she supposed to fast? No. So this is a religious obligation, right? So this is why... The beginning and ending of the hayd should be clear. Okay? Meaning you should be aware of when it begins and when it ends. Now, every woman is different. At the end of the day, remember that if it looks like a period, then it is a period. Okay? Some women are generally confused. Is it a period? Is it not a period? If it looks like it, feels like it, it is a period. So treat it as a period. Alright? Secondly, 
Remember that there are some regulations regarding hayd. What are those regulations? Those regulations are that during the period a woman is not to pray, is not to fast, and is not to do tawaf, tawaf of the Kaaba. Alright? These are the three things amongst religious acts of worship that she is not supposed to perform. Okay? Why? That's a different discussion. Here, we're just talking about how things are. Salah, she doesn't have to make it up. Fasts, she has to make up. Clear? Salah, a woman is not going to make up later. Alright? But the missed fasts, because of her period, she has to make them up at a later time. And when it comes to tawaf, if she's doing hajj, then of course she has to do the mandatory tawaf whenever it is possible for her. Okay? So this is religious side. By the way, do you notice something here? There's only three things that a woman is not allowed to do, religiously speaking. And what do we think typically? That if a woman is menstruating, she cannot do dhikr, she cannot say her morning du'as, she will not say her evening du'as. If she's a hafidah, she will not review her Qur'an. If it's Friday, she will not recite Surah Al-Kahf. If it's nighttime, she will not recite the last two verses of Surah Al-Baqarah. Right? She becomes an untouchable, her clothes become untouchable, etc., etc. She will not come to the masjid to sit and learn or to pass through it or whatever. Too many restrictions unnecessary restrictions, cultural restrictions that have no basis in our religion. So these are basically the three things. When it comes to touching the Qur'an, there is a difference of opinion. Okay, Some scholars say that a woman is not allowed to touch the Qur'an and they refer to some verses in the Qur'an. However, those verses are related to the angels. Okay, لَا يَمَسُّهُ إِلَّا الْمُطَهَّرُونَ Those are completely purified. Those are the angels. All right, And others do allow. Okay, Because once Aisha radiallahu anha the Prophet ﷺ asked her to bring something from the masjid and she said that she was in a state of menstruation. And the Prophet ﷺ said, it's not in your hand. What does that mean? Your hand is clean. Right? Your hand is clean. So in this state, a woman is not forbidden from touching certain things or saying certain things. Her mouth does not become unclean. Her hands do not become unclean. Her existence does not become unclean. It's just the place of mahid. That's it. That is unclean. So some scholars do allow, okay, that you can touch it. I would say, be on the safe side. All right. If you don't feel comfortable, don't touch the text directly. Can you pick up the book and review your lesson? Yes, you can. You can't make the excuse, oh, all we couldn't study for the test because I couldn't read the Qur'an. Or I couldn't come to class because I couldn't read the Qur'an. No, you cannot make that excuse because the women at the time of the Prophet ﷺ didn't stay away from learning and reciting the Qur'an because of this reason.